Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Life happens. It's kind of what it does. But how do we take more control over that and exert an intentionality over our time, our calendar, and what happens to us? How do we help make life happen? Today, we are super excited to have Jessica and Chris Milam, owners of Fur Services Fur Pets. Today, they join the show to talk about what it means to set yourself apart without demeaning or talking down to other people, how we can take a leadership role in the industry, and why it's critical that we lend our voice, and what do you do when life throws you a curveball that you just have to catch. Let's get started. Thank you for having us. I'm Jessica, and um, we have a pet sitting business in far, far north Texas. We cover like Prosperous Salina, Little Elm, that kind of area. Um, and we, um, yeah, we opened in 2013. So we've been in business just a little over 10 years. I'm Chris. I'm the one that jokes around a lot and is probably the worst employee for ever, but I'm great at the same time. Um, I'm a pet sitter, dog walker trainer now too. In 2013, I had been um, quite frankly been sick for a year because I was working at Target as a second job and I caught all the like germs and stuff there. And so um, when I had been sick for like three weeks and Target was like, you either need to come back to work or you quit. I was like, yeah, I can't talk and I've got a fever. I'm not coming back. Um, So that was in April. And in May, um, a neighbor was posting that they needed someone to watch their puppy for the weekend. And I was like, I've done this. Um, I had worked in boarding and daycare for a couple of years before college. And um, I had done pet sitting on the side through our clients there that needed extra care. And so I was like, I've got this. I'm experienced. I know what to do. And so I reached out and it kind of went from there. They recommended me on every single local Facebook group. And um, so I started picking up clients at that point. Um, So yeah, just a need for extra money. And um, I we had looked for a pet sitter uh, earlier that year. And the only one we could find charged a lot of miscellaneous fees, which I know is a thing now, but I didn't know then. And it was going to cost us like 50 something dollars per visit to come out and watch our menagerie. And we were, you know, I was broke. There was no way I could afford that. And so I started with the idea of providing something that was really um, educational experience care that was more affordable. I started with just as her as a client. By June, I had like three or four clients. And by that Thanksgiving, um, I was pretty much working most weekends. Um, So that was 2013. Um, Chris joined me in 2015 because by then I was working every single night, every single morning before for work every single weekend. Um, and I was, um, we were getting to the point where I had more than three clients. So I knew that I could do three clients before work. I could do three clients after work. And I'd go about 11 PM and do three clients at 11 PM to like 1 AM. Um, yeah, I know I, I keep crazy hours. And so at that Chris was like at home, like video gaming during all this time. So when like the fourth person was added, I was like, nope, you're going to start- for the win. Yeah. yeah. So at that point I was like, guess what? You get to start helping. So that's when he started helping me. And he had also worked in boarding and daycare with us. We had done, um, I worked, so we worked for a, a, a lodge. Uh, yeah. Boarding, and boarding facility. She worked, she was manager and I was at a different location back end. Yeah. So, okay. um, that's when he got to be encouraged to join me. 
And <laughs> how much encouraging that that's strongly that encouraged. Right? Strongly encouraged. And so um he was also working nights. So he would come home from his work, he'd do the morning visits, and then I would do all the evening and stuff. So it worked out really well. Um and then we kind of trucked along. We found um conferences the end of 2016. And in 2017, we added our first staff member. Okay. Because I got tired of working every day. Bless his heart. He did. In 2016, he quit his full-time job to join me full-time, which by 2017, that meant that he had one client a day, Monday through Friday. And on weekends, he had pet sits and that was too much work for him. And so after seven days a week for a month, he was like, nope, I'm done. Like, but sometimes you only work for 30 minutes. He's like, yeah, I know, but that's every day. It's still not, it's still every day. (laughs) And so like having a day off where I'm not doing anything. So that's when we hired our first sitter was that June in 2017. I, I will say, Chris, that that is something that is very weighty on people. And I've even heard from our own staff of having set days of like, you can't not be here. You've got to show up. It, it is very mentally weighty for for people, especially with that le- that commitment that's that it's demanded of us almost. I, I've yeah. never been in management. I've always been an employee, if that makes sense. And um, until now, I've owned my own business with my wife other than that so i came from the background of hey i'm used to having at least two days off a week and having even if it's just 30 minutes it's still 30 minutes and it's not my complete day off it's cutting into my xbox time come on now Um, and i came from the point where i was working seven days a week for several years through high through college and through like my first jobs and stuff so i was like what's the big deal it's 30 minutes a day like what is like go do your visit and go on with your life so definitely two different mentalities here does that help find a, a happy balance or do you feel like it tends to push more of one way than the other um i will tell you that it gives me a very different perspective because I've, I've done employee, I've done management, but when you have an employee like your husband, who is very, has very clear sets of what he wants and doesn't want, it really makes you understand other people. Um, And so I have a, a much different management style than a lot of people do because I have a very tough cookie as my employee. <laughs> It's my beginning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a service that you offer basically, right? It is. No. <laughs> Completely. He's yeah. so, he's you so- know, I'm so happy about that. I'm I'm the worst employee, air quoting this, and then I'm also one of the best employees. So I mean, you have your good, your ups and downs. Every employee is going to have they're really good at something, they're really terrible at something. So you just got to find that happy push pull. Yeah, you got to find that happy medium. And so like I can I can tailor myself obviously, but other people he's he's kind of for her. I think and imaging this in her brain, it's because she's very type A. So you, she lists it out, and then she has to have like a Venn diagram, I guess, and in the middle. And that's me sometimes. <laughs> well, he has, he's come a long way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of management opportunities, uh, but it, but it, it is it's important, I think, when we bring on staff members because we only know how we operate, right? That's that's where our strengths are, and then all of a sudden we have somebody sitting next to us. It's like. I like kind of poking them going, okay, do the thing, right? Do it, do it. And and if we don't understand their motivations and and why they're there, it does kind of, it does end up with a lot of clashing with uh, with so, those people. So here's how I'll say that. She's very type A, I'm very t- type cave, like Kava, you know, like the turtle on Find Nemo, like let's go with the glow. That's me. And she's very direct and to the point. <laughs> yeah. So we what's been so there's a lot of this. With yeah. with those different type of styles, that's developed a lot of our systems um, because things that, you know, 
losing paper clients' paperwork early on and not knowing anything about the clients because it was gone. Um, yeah. um, or like staying at visits, like he had a client that he had at that time that was like Monday through Friday, 30 minutes, and he'd be there for like three or four hours because he's like, well, There's we were, puppy. the puppy was playing. What was I supposed to leave him? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how that works. And uh. so a lot of our stuff is like, has grown from me saying something and him doing something that he interpreted. And so it really makes you get clear. And so I think that it gives us a step up as, as managers and bosses and leaders now, because um, like I said, he's, he is a, he's definitely your, he was your typical employee and some of the best and worst parts of that, which has led us to become better bosses because we can understand that whole dichotomy. That's not the right word. Dichotomy. Dichotomy. Thank you. Wow, I knew that word. That's impressive for me. That was impressive. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Uh, but right, because again, we've got to figure out how we operate and how people that we also operate around us, and knowing that there's not really like a right way or wrong way. So when I mean, when you two have those conversations about how to resolve that, you know, how do you how do you balance that out, or have different bring your each perspectives about a particular client or about a particular staff member and work through that. Well, <laughs> looking at me because generally it's me going, okay, here's what we need to do. And him going, well, that's just ridiculous because he is still very much an employee mindset. And he also, um, he's like, well, that's that, that expectation of our staff is, is either like way too high or your expectation of us is like, that's crazy. Um, mm. mostly a lot of arguments. Most we of do. our arguments these days is when she sets the schedules, drive time between them. Like, there's no way with traffic is with all this construction, we're going to make this in 15 minutes, 30 minutes across town. Yeah. Well, there's a, it's just fly. No, but I mean, honestly, it's been a lot of we, um, a lot of over the years, like figuring things out, um, lots of conversations, lots of fights. Yeah. Um, we are not great at communicating. We do not ever recommend working with your spouse unless you have a different relationship than us. Um, cause it is a whole nother ball game, but y'all do it beautifully. I, I assume, um, cause y'all seem to from the outside. <laughs> How's the inside, yo, Colin? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we do have those. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a matter of fact of there's different perspectives on things. Yeah. Right, a client does something, and I have my immediate reaction, and Megan has hers, and now we've got to vocalize that and understand. Okay, you didn't say that to be annoying, and I didn't say this yeah. to be mean, but this is how I feel. Right, and now yeah. we've got to, but but we have to make a business decision at the end yeah. of the day. And that's where that's it gets the hard really part. hard. Yeah, that's yeah. the hard part. So I'm the business minded person; he's the emotional person. So um, recently, we had a client get really upset about something that was. Like, pretty minuscule. Pretty minuscule. And he's like, screw it. We're done. I'm done with this. And I was like, well, that's, you know, here's the deal. The client thought this. You thought this. Our staff thought this. So, like, it makes sense where they're upset. Here's what we need to do. Like, they're a top 10 client. I'm like, don't send me back. Like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so, most often, I'm like the, the fair brain. And I just, like, I mean, I'll have my moments of screaming and getting upset. But, like, I come back to the, okay, well, but, you know. When she gets upset, I walk away. Yeah, because because oh. <laughs> if I'm upset, then there's a really big problem. But yeah. Well, I think that I think that ties to how you both kind of describe yourselves too. You know, I just Jessica, just kind of what I know and, and reading. It's it's you know you. It seems like a lot of your energy is is building right the team, building the business, focused on the business, and and Chris, you're focused on. The, the pet care, right? Being an active part of that group and everything. And so it really does have these two mesh well 
with yeah. with that. So you get you do get two different perspectives, which which is hard as a solopreneur because again, you only have your own perspective and why it's yeah. even more important to reach out to other people and talk about, hey, this is what I'm doing. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways just from this is going, we we have to go to someone external, especially in in, in tough times or when we're awesome. unsure. Because otherwise, again, we only know ourselves. Yeah. And that is one of the big things is that I have because of him being who he is and the way that he's come into it as an employee. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that yes, he, does. he is very, I mean, <laughs> he's learned to be a manager, but that was not natural for him. It was not natural to become a manager or a boss or the owner of a company. And so he's had to learn that, but because of the background he comes from, I had a very unique perspective into the employee mentality, employee mindset, and how it felt for an employee to work for me and for my company. And in this industry, because this industry is not easy for employees. Um, and so with that, we've been able to really tailor our business to try to make it to where it is the most, you know, fair and fun and happy place that fits employees where they're coming we from. We try to make our group a family, essentially. Um, and just meet them, you know, with expectations they would have coming in. And so that really has given us a heads up with it. It also taught me very early on that I am not the best at this. Um, I hear so many people, you know, they're concerned about hiring staff because they're afraid someone won't be as good as them. You know, hiring him, we would go into the same house and the dog would be like, playing with him and goofing off with him. And they, and I'm like, that dog has never moved. The dog comes over, it goes out to go potty. It comes and sits down goes to sleep. Like he's never played. I didn't know he played, but I've realized that there are people out there that are so much better at the, at the playing and the fun and the, you know, typical pet care that I am. I'm phenomenal in emergency. You call me with a dog fight and I will walk you through that thing. And you'll feel like it was the most easy breezy process in the world. I can do all the hard stuff, but when it comes to like the day-to-day pet care, there are so many people that are way better at the, the fun client interaction or pet interaction that I am. And he hates I, those visits. I give me a dog who wants to cuddle on the couch and I can pet it for an hour. Like I don't want, I'm not going to throw a ball for an hour. It's just not my personality. <laughs> well, I think that's important to notice that notice that when we are in that mindset of growing and expanding, if that's what we want to do going just, I think it's very powerful to just go, there's somebody amazing out there. That's going to have real, how do, how do I get in touch with them and foster them instead of, I just want to clone. I just want a body. I just want someone to walk in there going, because we aren't the be all end all. Like I learned that every single day. Like I, I, when I do training visits with staff, I'll be like, yeah, I see I'm the problem here. So I'm just going to skip over there. (laughs) So when we hire people that are like me, Chris, like, so they're a lot like you. So maybe we could hire more people like me because they're the ones who are like in there like, oh, it's slobbered. And I'm okay with slobber in a very small increment, but I don't want a lot of it. I mean, I'm covered in it already. But we have staff who are like, oh my God, give me all the kisses. And I'm like, oh, you kiss me. That sucks. So like finding the people, exactly. So um, we very much like, and that was probably our biggest thing going forward was that learning that, okay, yeah, he's phenomenal. This, he, we need more people like him and more people that are better at this than me because I'm great at the back end. I'm great at the client end. I'm great at the managing, but maybe I don't need to be in the field every day because I'd rather walk 10 hours a day than sit and throw a ball for 10 hours a day (laughs) or be cuddled, like slobbered on. (laughs) So, so I've actually had other pet sitters down me for this. So like I'll be going to a meet and greet and I'm very, I'm, I'm, you think I would walk out with a new best friend after some of my meet and greets. Yeah. I mean, I get Xbox gamer tags from, from the guys and I play Xbox with them, but you know, people doubt me for that. But at the same time, I'm creating, I'm creating a, a, a network because I'm learning, Hey, this is what you do for a living. And if somebody asks me that, I can do that. Right. Uh. 
B, I'm just creating an environment where, hey, cool, people want to hang out. I'm cool with that. And it's 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 not just you're not just my client. You're also going to become my friend to an extent. Mm. They won't. They probably won't ever get to get you know my kids or something like that. But I'm creating an environment that most most pets are just like, oh, I don't want that. Small things like that. I'm they're just different. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. It is. It's it's deciding what you want those boundaries to be, right? How yeah. you want to be connected with that, and and that is a fine line. I think many times we pull back hard from no, I'm not your friend, right? I'm a business. I will not do X, Y, Z. This is we're we're to talk business now, and and I think that is appropriate in some situations, but I think it's also we have to check as to why we're doing that. Is this a reaction because we're afraid of being connected with this person? Did something bad happen in the past? Do we think we're not? supposed to and then we need to ask ourselves like why like is that how do i want to be connected with others i mean we we talk video games we play video games i don't i don't go out and say hey let's you you should do this and they don't suggest it to me kind of thing it's just a platonic thing of hey let's hang out it really it really humanizes that aspect right and which which it sounds like that's kind of why you highlight that with your with your staff to your clients to your community because you are people you are connected it is important we are local we know you people we know what's going on we have personalities i mean i was just in a meet and greet not too long ago and the clients had the exploded halloween all over their house and i just had an, an a gut reaction of and I told him, like, my grandma used to do this all the time, right? And then we were off talking about Halloween decorations and how she used to play take all the napkin holders and she replaced all the artwork in the house, became Halloween. And it was just a, a great moment to pause and connect with these people on, on a human level to try and understand, like, yeah, what is making them tick? And, and that they start to have that no like and trust factor, which is an annoying marketing term, but it's a real thing when you're in that house talking to that person. We've gotten so many... Um... Like our business got built on word of mouth, right? Yeah. And 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 when I create that aspect of somebody, they dude, we get they send us names all day long. It's crazy. You become talk worthy because there's something to talk about, right? I think I think that's what's important. It's more than just the services; it's the people behind them that become important. Yes, it's why I don't do meet and greets because I go in, I say, okay, where's your pet? Great. Um, my name's Jessica. Any questions? Awesome. Let's go. And like, that's it. <laughs> Whereas he knows where they're going, like where they worked, what their whole history is. Well, I, like my they're- first one of my first questions after they showed me everything, I'm like, are we going anywhere fun? Just, just oh. because I'm not here just to be cool. And I want to go home. <laughs> Have you heard of Time to Pet? Susan the Pet Gal has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. When we talk about what's our secret sauce, right? What makes you different? A lot of that really is the personality that we get to bring into it. And if we have, you know, if we have staff encouraging them to do that within some parameters that fit the company, but us really not being afraid to to do that and show up as ourselves to <laughs> to to our clients. We we really did when we started. We hired our neighbors. Um, when we started, we started with a one mile radius, and it was mm-hmm. our first staff members were literally our neighbors. They were our friends. Um, they've kids. kids our friends, kids, and um, we've expanded out from there now, but we still have lots of people who work for us that are our neighbors. They are our friends. They are people that we know um, or that our clients know. And so we really 
we try and be part of the community. And then our clients are part of the community. Um, Most of our clients live within three miles of us. We're on the same Facebook groups. Our kids go to school together. Um, We see each other at the grocery store. And so kids, teachers. Yeah. And they, they friend me on Facebook. We don't allow them to friend Chris on Facebook, but, um, but they friend me on Facebook. And so they get to know us, they get to know our kids, they get to know what's going on in our life. And I think that that is really powerful um, because it, there is boundaries that your clients should be, but I also think it really makes them get to know you and love you and trust you more, just like you said. But they also get to know that you're not just the business. You're not just, um, you know, a name. You are a, your people behind it. You're a family behind it. My, you know, my staff have families that we're supporting. And so that makes a whole nother level of, um, trusting, um, trusting, loving, um, supporting all of that stuff. There's it's a not just a paycheck. Funny. You're, 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 you're supporting the whole family. But- do you ever worry about being being lumped in with the the neighborhood kid or the person or the neighbor next door or kind of having any confusion around that language or is it more important to have that community aspect? Um, we used to be the neighbor next door. Um, sure. We really, I mean, that's how we started, um, and we've really elevated it. So I don't worry about it. Um, I don't think that people see us in anywhere in the same aspect. Um, when people refer to us, they refer to us as a company or their team. So it doesn't. I don't get worried about that anymore. Well, so how how have you worked to differentiate and set fur services apart from others? Yeah, it's a great question. So when we decided that we really um, needed to create a brand and a company, not just us being, you know, pet sitting, um, we started with a logo. Um, we started with a website and then we kind of built it from there. We made, we were really, it was really important for us to have our staff in uniforms so that if people saw us or our team, they recognize the purple shirts with the, per, you know, with the dog and the cat on it. Branding. Um, and making sure that we use certain language that we always included our our name. It wasn't um, when people tag me on Facebook or tag our business. I don't say, oh, yeah, we pet sit. Contact me. We always say, yeah, first services um, is a professional organization. We are bonded and insured and background checked. Um, we worked with a branding company to come up with a tagline and award winning company. Yeah. And things to say. And so we use all of that to really elevate ourselves because I do think that if you are coming across as just that other person next door, because people tag me, they tag me all the time. So if I always respond to that tag with my company name and our, who we are and that we, you know, provide um, worry free care for wag worthy results, then it makes it sound better than, Oh, I just love your pet. Just like it's my own because you know, we started there. Everyone starts there and some people stay there and that's great. Um, but I told someone recently, it's great, but everyone should be loving your pet. Like if they're, if you're paying them to take care of your pet, that should be what you're doing in the moment. It should never be a, oh, I don't love your pet like mine. Like that should never be an option. So, um, so yeah, we really started using our brand and making our brand more known so that it wasn't just Jessica or Jessica and Chris, it was for services. Jessica's husband. Yeah. That, that, that other guy. Yeah. I think part of that too is what it sounds like, you know, you're really defining what the company is. I know it's something that we're working on with ours because we're still kind of trying to grow brand recognition in our new service area. So we're always adding comma, like Sarah, like, comma, like a dog walking and pet sitting company, like, because yep. people don't know what we do. And it's really important you have to do that for a while and probably yeah. never stop ultimately because every day there's somebody who's never seen the Flintstones. So there's yep. somebody new who doesn't know who your company is or what you do. And that's what starts to get mind share of people. Because now when people think when you want, if you want to get to the point where people think pet care, they think you, you have to define that for people, right? You yes. have to push that out there. Yeah. And we absolutely do. 
And we, and even if it's something that we can see, like, you know, you see the pigs that post, I'm looking for someone to watch my dog for a week for a hundred dollars. We say, Hey, I'm the owner of first services for pets. Um, you know, that's, you're going to be looking for this type of person. If you ever want something different, we're here for you. Uh, so we, we're not derogatory. We don't like say, Oh, well, that's ridiculous. We, we don't just bad say, mouth. Hey, here's what you should be looking for. Um, he doesn't bad mouth. He doesn't bad mouth either because I don't allow him to. <laughs> it's a controlling aspect of my life. Um, but no, so we I try and make sure that even in the situations where it's clearly not a good fit for me, we educate. And so I generally say, you know, um, that's, you know, everyone can afford what they can afford. You really want to try and find someone who is insured if you can. And here's why. If you ever need something else, we're happy to help you. Here's our company and here's our website, that kind of thing. And that way there's always that response, but it's super professional and it's encouraging because you know what, if you only have a hundred dollars to spend and that's it, we were there, we were going out of town with family and that's all we had. And so we totally respect that everyone's coming from a different place and you've got to meet them where they are or help them get to what they need. Then we built our business on not saying no. No, we say no more often now than we ever have in our lives. But when we started the company, it was we never said no. And so we built it on that. So like last minute stuff. Okay, got it. And, and our customers came to rely on that heavily. And some people abused it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there's a lot that we got new customers out of it. Like there used to be um, someone backed out last minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got it. So. The, those are things that a lot of people would not want to take on. Now, so, so for you, was that a just a philosophical, like, we we don't want to be a company that says no, we want to grow big enough to do that? Or did, did you have experiences in the past where you had said no to before or something like that? I grew up with my parents saying no all the time. No. <laughs> Um, so I grew up in a family that we never made plans since last minute. My brother was special needs. And so we literally like Thanksgiving week, we're out of school and we didn't know on Tuesday if we were leaving Wednesday morning to go on a trip because with my brother, it all depended on what was going on. Um, during the summer, my dad was in air conditioning and heating. And so we never knew until the week of if we were going to be able to go, because if he got a lot of work, or if there was a lot of calls, or if it was really hot, then we weren't going anywhere. And so when we started this, I start the phrase that started and has stuck is life happens. Life happens for our clients. Things happen last minute. Sometimes they get called into work at six o'clock in the morning and they have to be there by eight and they need someone to come and watch their dog. Life happens. They, you know, a nurse gets called off because they show up to work. There's too many nurses, not enough patients. They have to go home. So they shouldn't be penalized because they're not making money that day. Um, you know, funerals, um, sporting events, you know, my kids in a tournament, we knew it was going to be this morning. We didn't know they were going to be going all weekend. Is there any way you can step in and take care of our pets? Um, and so we've really employed that with our clients and that's where it started. And that's where our last minute, never say no kind of mentality started was if we have the physical ability to make it happen, we'll absolutely make it happen. Um, but it's continued on with our staff. Um, and it's been really grateful and helpful as we adopted our kids because, you know, our life happens every freaking day, things change. And so having that kind of culture with our team and our clients has really been helpful because we can say, you know what, actually, we can't help you this weekend. My kid has the, all these things going on and we don't have any more space in our schedule. Um, so it does. Um, Life has definitely changed. That's, yeah. But that's how it started was just that I grew up in a house that we never made plans. We didn't make plans the weekend. We didn't make plans for today. We didn't plan, make plans for tomorrow is whatever happened right now. So from the, from the perspective of the, of the staff though, you know, is that, how do you communicate that those last minute changes to them, right? Like that, um, that seems, I know I have staff members who'd well, be like, be honest, I generally took them on. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it all depends. So 
part of that is the way that we do everything. So first we communicate that in our interview um, because we do understand that our our staff members, they have families, they have, maybe they have other jobs. They're going to call them late or call them early or let them go or whatever. Um, and then if they have kids or whatever that's going on. Um, so we communicate that starting with the interview. Um, and then as far as like the practicality of like adding stuff to their schedule or taking things off their schedule because people cancel, um, part of it is because we do, um, we do something really weird and ridiculous because it takes a lot of time. But I send them out a schedule a month in advance. That schedule tells them, here's the days that you're off. Here's the days that you're working. And if we're going to work you, it's during these shifts. So they know up front, we're going to work you from seven to three on these days of the week, but we're not going to work you at all on these days. So they can make their life schedule around that. And then I generally do the exact, you're going to these visits at these times and all of that at the day before, a couple of days before, generally on Sundays, I try and do it for Monday, Tuesday, and then I work through the week as it goes. So sometimes they don't even know about the cancellations or the additions. Um, our policy with them just to respect their time is that I don't make any changes that would start their day earlier or in their day later um, after 10 o'clock at night. Um, and then any changes on the day of, we always ask them, hey, we had someone who needs another visit. Would you like it? Yes or no. Um, and then if they don't, then we'll open it up to our other team. It just kind of depends on the order of seniority. And then anything else, then either Chris or I will take. It just kind of depends on um, what's going on. But we really push that. Our teams tend to like it because they, even if they have a cancellation, there's a good chance they're going to have someone get added. So they're still getting that money. Um, and because we're able to be flexible on both sides, the cancellations and the, and the last minute stuff, it really does wash out in the end. And it sounds like as long as that's communicated well in advance, right? And it, and if it is part of that culture too, right? They, I'm sure they understand that that, that kind of same grace applies to their own life too. Yeah, life sure. happens with, with staff too. Yep. Absolutely. Flat tires. Yeah. Flat, uh, <laughs> yeah. Batteries not working. Yeah, we, we are, we, and we are very, we are very lenient when it comes to their life happening. If they have last minute appointments, if their kids are sick, things like that. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten to change a tire for employee. Yeah. If a tire, flat tire, no problem. Chris will be there in a few minutes and then change the schedule. I set up in the car. Um, Let's go. Part of that yeah. is also that if there is, um, cause I always hear people say, well, what about the money they were planning on making? If they were planning on working eight hours tomorrow and you get cancellations because of the way that we operate and because we have Chris because that is a big part of it. We have Chris. Um, I can take stuff off his schedule and put it on there. So if it's something where they need that money, or I know that they really need this many hours a week, or they really are counting on that income, then we just move stuff from his schedule onto there. So they still get the money that they were anticipating. He's thrilled because he gets done early or he gets to come home. We do. We really build the culture on all sides of our business that way. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, well, we were talking about kind of you know, not not down talking or downgrading other other options. Mm-hmm. I know that in running a business, it can be hard to to look at other competitors, quote unquote, or other offerings of pet care. Let's say that. How how do you walk through, or how can you encourage other people to find those ways to differentiate themselves without being negative towards others? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think we're all individual. I We started, we didn't know there was a network of pet sitters. Um, so in some ways we started when we ha- were not on a single forum, we weren't on a fa- single Facebook group. Um, we didn't join any of those until the end of 2016 when we found the conference. When we went to the conference, people were talking about the Facebook groups and we're like, what Facebook groups? We didn't know there were other people out there. You can make a business out of this? What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. So for us, we really started a lot of that beforehand. Um, but I think, but one thing we always did is we kept a pulse on what all of the people around us are doing. And there's things that they do that we love. And we get to know all of the businesses in our area because there are times that 
you, that client does not fit us at all, or that staff member doesn't fit us at all. And so we, we send them to those other, those other businesses, whether as a client or a staff, a potential staff member, because it, everything doesn't fit every single person. And so we just keep an eye on what are other people doing? What do we like about that? What do we don't like about that? Um, and then what is our values? For me, when we started this, my whole thing was education because you have a bunch of people out there that are doing stuff they don't really know much about. When we worked in boarding and daycare, you met people that were in boarding and daycare and did not know anything about animal behavior. They didn't understand looking at pets. And we had a lot of experience in boarding and daycare and since boarding and daycare that made us really knowledgeable and experienced. And so for me, it's always been learning as much as we can and becoming as educated as we can. And we like to say that we're one of the most educated teams around because we really do push education. We pay our staff when it's slow. They come and they pick up books. We have a whole library of books that they can come pick up. They can read. We pay them to read them because we want them to continue learning and growing and finding out more and more. Um, so I think it's a matter of figuring out what's important to you, what's valuable to you, what works for your life, because what works for our life 10 years ago does not work for our life now. So we've had to really change and shift that. Um, and I think that figuring those things out and then looking at other competitors in your area and figure out, does anybody do this? Do they do this well? Talking to them, we have a really great network of of, of other sitters around here. And so we often will bounce things off of each other. We'll ask them, you know, what do you do this? Why do you do this? And I'll say, wow, I would never do that. It's very respectful, but I wouldn't do it that way. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with not doing what other people are doing. But if it figuring out what matters to you is the most important thing. And, and I'll say this too, that like, like in the relationship to regards to other um, businesses around us, right? Like other pet sitters, um, solo team, whatever, it doesn't matter. Man, there's so many clients we get from them. That we would never have gotten. Yeah, we've the built reference, just refer referrals out because they won't come this way. Yeah, and part of that talking to other people and finding out how do you do this and what do you do and why do you do this has been building this relationship where they've gotten to know us and why we do things. And, and because of that, things. when uh, when they're booked, they send their clients to us, knowing that we're going to give their clients right back. We have a really because we have more volume ability than others. They trust that we're not going to take that client. We're doing. Chris is doing a live-in this week for a client. It's been her client for several years. It's a really good friend of hers. She sent them to us, absolutely knowing that we charge a little bit less than she does. But we're only here for when she needs us to be here for a client. We're not here forever. And I think that building those relationships will help you in defining what's important to your business, but also build builds those relationships and help gives you a network where you can refer out because that's you know, we are, when we're booked, I need someone to send someone to. I don't want to say no. I want to say we can't, but he, this person can, or yeah, here's, here's a great options. fit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it also is about understanding like all the facets of differentiation of, okay, education is one service radius is one. My service suite that I offer is another one. But as we've already kind of mentioned too, like this customer centric focused of yeah. of our of 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 who you're actually serving, you know, with with Chris going in and, and making those connections in that meet and greet, building that and fostering that, you know, that that is another area of differentiation too. Yeah, well, that was one thing for us. I um so I grew up or grew up, I worked for my dad's air conditioning and heating business for 15 years. And um with that, I really learned what businesses do great and what businesses don't. And one of those is customer service. And so when we started this, my whole thing was we wanted to be we wanted to provide an, the best customer service out there. So we still to this day, I meet clients where they are. That's one of our big things. It's that life happens thing. 
if they, if it's better for them to text me, then they can text me. They know that it may be slower for me to respond for text, but they can text me if they want to Facebook. Yeah. If they want to <laughs> Facebook message me, they can Facebook message me. I'm on Facebook all the time. That's totally fine. Um, you know, the portal, we always communicate. If you send it in the portal, it goes to everyone. If you send it to just me, then it only goes to me and it takes me a bit to respond and then not everyone sees it. So here's the way that we prefer you to communicate, but whatever works for you is how we're going to make it work for us because that's what makes your life better. Trying to get someone a, a, was a round peg in a square hole is never going to work. And if you're forcing your clients to be that round, that square hole, that square peg trying to go into whatever. <laughs> I'm trying. It's not working. <laughs> if you're trying to get your clients to change for you, yeah. they're not going to be clients long-term because no one can change their life for a service. It doesn't matter how much you're in the home. They're not going to change the way they do life to make it work for you. So we... In, and you don't, you should never try to force them. Yeah. That. And I, I'm kind of a high maintenance customer. So I try and meet those high maintenance customers myself. Um, cause I have a lot of expectations as a, as a customer. And so I think about what do I want out of a company, especially if I'm paying them a lot of money and we try and like do those things for them. That's a, that don't try and change the customer. I, I think that is something that we often try and do a force them into, our service suite, our, our our onboarding process, or our software. You know, that's one where we get hung up a lot of times, just us yeah. and our business personally. It's like this person does not want to use our software. So I I I have to be okay with not serving them and kind of asking yeah. ourselves, like, okay, do we do we not use our software for this one client? Like, no, obviously we can't yeah. do that. So they aren't a good fit for us. And and like you said, Jessica, that that means that relationship's gonna have um, more probability of success because we align on more um, more commonalities. Yeah, and we don't we don't trash them. We don't think bad about them. We just say, you know what, that's totally fine. But my friend, she does this, and she only does text message and emails. Yeah. She doesn't have software. She's going to text you after every visit, and so we send them to them because it's okay. Software is a pain in the butt. Software for someone who doesn't understand how to put the stuff in or doesn't want to fill it out. Our older clientele. Our, when we first started software, Chris would take hold the hand of all of our seniors. She, we had l- lots of clients that were 60, 70, 80 years old. And he would go over there and he would get on their computer or he'd bring our computer and he'd fill out the software with them. Yep. yep. And so he would walk them through that. And I think it's important. To- I'm not going to punish someone that didn't come up with our technology for for not knowing it that's that's crazy to me yeah and for people who don't i i saw somewhere recently how do you force people to download your app well why they get the emails why do they have to have the app they if they want to go on their computer and log in on the website and do everything that way that's totally fine there's no reason they have to have the app to work with me they just need to be in the software so if they're okay getting an email then let them have the email what's the big deal so we we are very much um you know, life happens and, and let the, meet the client where they are. And same thing with our team. We meet them, you know, some people do not work for us, but when they, when they're a great team member, we meet them where they are. If they need to have extra time, we had someone who went through a lot of trauma a couple of years ago with roommates and we gave them the time that they needed and they became our absolute best employee we'd ever had. Um, we just lost her. We lost her. It was very sad. We all cried. We had a whole oh. lunch and everything. Oh. Um, but like you, we really feel like we're all people. We all make mistakes. We're all genuine. And we have to have some compassion for each other in business as a business owner to a client and as a business owner to a staff member. And we ask for that same compassion back. And I think it works really well overall. 
I know part of you know that continuing education is you mentioned you attended the the conference and I, I assume you're talking about the Pet Sitters Association conference. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> got some terms there, but you've you've become both of you are heavily involved with that conference now. And and and, and Chris is violently shaking his head. But if Jessica wasn't involved as she is, you wouldn't be as involved as you were. So let's be. <laughs> I, I get the back end of when she gets frustrated or the happy celebration stuff too. So it's. <laughs> I uh, yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, so why why was that important to you, Jessica, to be involved in that? Um, well, I think it changed the scope of our business. So before we showed up to the Texas conference the first time down and you know at the Blue Bonnet Bunk and Biscuit years ago, we had no idea that there were other people that were like us. We we didn't know that this was an industry. We didn't know that you could have a team. We didn't know that you could grow it to something big. Um, my dream had always been to have a boarding and daycare facility. That has been my dream since I was 18. I have the blueprints. I have the plans. I have the entire business plan, the staffing, everything. I know exactly what I wanted. And so when I left boarding and daycare, it was always to come back to it as my own business owner. And I was like, you know, pet sitters are okay, but that's not really the way to go. You know, I knew what didn't work in boarding and daycare and I figured I knew how to fix it. Um, and so I didn't know there was another option. I didn't know pet sitting was an industry. I knew that it was something that people did here and there. Um, and so when we found the conference and we went to the conference, it was incredible to meet other people that were doing what we did. Uh, he just did a whole head explosion thing for this. Yes, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's only sound. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, and so meeting people and listening to the speakers, um, I remember there were a couple speakers there that really made me think. One of them was Isabel Arata. I um, what she was with covered in pet hair now, but she had her own business at that point, and her whole thing was. Why are you dragging yourself through the mud and working 24 hours a day? No one is out there applauding for you for killing yourself. Like mm -hmm. you need to give yourself time and space. And I remember walking away because at that point we were kind of killing ourselves. Um, we were busy all the time. I was working, you know, 60 hours a week in my normal job. I was coming home working 20, 30 hours a week in this job. And it was exhausting. And yeah, we so have to go back and listen to that speech. Anyways, <laughs> so um I we left there meeting people that did what we did, that were having the same struggles. We met there leaving people who had a team and we were blown away that they had this team and these people, they had a lot of clients. They had, you know, we had never thought about when you walk down the road in a sketchy area, should you have something to protect yourself against stray dogs? I had never even considered it. I walked in the dark in my neighborhood with dogs all the time. It never even occurred to me that I should have something to protect myself. Yeah. Um, But we left there with so many tools and resources and it, literally changed how we looked at our business and where we thought our business could go. And I think it's so important that people get outside of their bubble and where other people are. And I think the Facebook groups are phenomenal for that. But I think that in person at conferences is a really different mindset. Um, you're not just with people who are looking at all the negative. You're not with just people who are complaining about clients or dogs. You're look, you're around people who are making it work or who are trying to make it work by learning more. And I think there's just, um, it's an invaluable resource to get in person with other people who are doing what you're doing and learning from them and then learning from the conference speakers and things. So from that experience, when they asked me to join them, I was like, absolutely, yes. I also was very starstruck because Kathy had a boarding and daycare facility and she had a pet sitting business and she wrote a book. And I was like, oh my God, she wants to talk to me. She so, wrote a book? 
Yes, I, oh. I have her book. <laughs> we it's have in the library, I, Chris. You I missed that one. Read it. <laughs> it is in the library. It has her name on it and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm dyslexic. Reading is not my friend. So, um, so that's why I th- thought it was important to get involved because I think it's really important for all the small people like me that didn't understand that there was more out there to um, to show up and and learn from others. Well, it's interesting because, as you said back in 2013, when that friend asked you for help, or that you know, you 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 even said like, "Yeah, I knew what to do," and I went and did the visit. And so we all have that. We all we're all confident in our own services until you learn something new, right? And then you're faced with a situation, and it's better to be faced with a situation in a nice conference room and the air conditioning after a nice coffee and some breakfast, learning about something, than be in the situation going, "Oh." That's new. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't I'm just there to be a social butterfly, to be yeah, honest. I didn't even know. I didn't know there was insurance for our industry. I didn't know that there was industry. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that oh. those things existed. I didn't know about software. At that point, I'm pretty sure my husband had lost about 20, 25, 30% of our client forms that had, you know, all the information on them. They had the address and the, the alarm code and the how to feed the pet. And I was like, how <laughs> like, how do you, like, what do you do about this? Or what do other people do when they have a spouse helping them? Like we had a clipboard, yeah. but he'd like the clipboard would like fly out the window or fly out the door when he'd open the door and then he dropped in the wet and he'd bring me back this crumpled wet thing going, I'm not sure whose paper this is because you can't read it anymore. And I'm like, cool. And so, then when I was doing handwritten notes back then in my handwriting. handwriting it's terrible. It looks like uh-huh. my, a doctor looks really good compared to mine. Yeah. So, um, you know, just getting there and seeing like, oh, there's other things here is so important because it really did change everything for us. I know, you know, part of that is that ongoing education. And Chris, I know you're you're diving into to training and, and things now. Why why was that important for you to do? So in our area, there's a whole lot of balanced and very, very not positive training around us. And there's no one really we could refer to. I mean, there's a couple out there, but they're pretty good distance from where we're at. And um it's something I've always been interested in, but um, and I've all, we've always self-taught our dogs. So it's I've been taking the um, Karen Pryor course courses, and um, phenomenal, very in depth. Um, but the, yeah, to me, it's to give us another a another income revenue, right? And then B, it's it's also um, something I'm interested in, and C, it's give our clients another option because I get tired of referring out to someone else when I can do it myself. Well, part of that was that we always referred to our trainer that we use for our dog. Um, we bless our, bless my dog. We, a few years ago, we adopted a dog, a staffie from a shelter and she was in the shelter. She'd been there for five months and no one had adopted her. She was great with all the kids, all the people, all the volunteers. She came home and she air snapped me three times the first day and bit me the second day. And we were like, holy cow, what have we gotten into? And so we employed a trainer and going through that training process with her, had we gone a balanced route or a route that used a shot collar, a pinch collar, she would not have become the dog that she became when we could bring seven kids in to pet her because at that point I couldn't pet her. Um, and so, um, she was my soul dog. Yeah. Seeing how that, how that training experience changed was really important to us. So we always referred to this trainer, but she lives over an hour away. So when traffic in our area got really bad, it was two hours for her to get here. So referring to her is no long, was no longer feasible. And we have clients who keep using all the trainers that people recommend and it's running their dogs. It's making their dogs aggressive. It's making their dogs more anxious, super sick. Um, making, we've had dogs come home completely lethargic, throwing up for weeks after training, um, after board and trains. And so there's just not a, 
better option and we're tired of our our clients' dogs being ruined because of the way they're being trained. So that was another big push on it. Yeah, again, sometimes you have to take that into your own, you know, take that into your own hands. Exactly. Kind of and kind of gets back to why you started your services in the first place of can't find these reasonably priced and well-educated pet care, pet service options. So if that's not out there, and that's something that as business owners, we all face of going, okay, if this service isn't out there, I have to ask, do am I the one to offer that? And if I did offer it, like, what would it look like for us? And that's a, a continual process for everybody. The National Association of Professional Pet Sitters, or NAPS, is the only national nonprofit professional pet sitting association dedicated to raising and abiding by industry standards. NAPS provides pet sitters with the tools and resources to own and operate successful pet sitting businesses. And a major component of that is their in person conference. Their 2024 conference is being held in beautiful Savannah, Georgia, March 1st through 3rd, their Bloom and Grow Your Business Conference. Their goal is to bring together industry leaders with session topics that are idea-focused and on a wide range of subjects to foster learning, inspiration, and provoke conversations that matter. Registration is open through February 19th of next year, and it is just $225. Visit the NAPS website at petsitters.org for information regarding NAPS membership, certification, and complete conference details. Now, I, I would be remiss if I uh, didn't talk with, with you two, uh, if I didn't ask about the newest additions to the uh, Fur Services family. Uh, and I'm going to do my best to not let Chris make me cry during any stories, no matter what he tells during this conversation. <laughs> so you, I get him every you, time. Right, every you, time. <laughs> you all were, were running this business. Um, you were doing all this stuff. And then you kind of had uh, something something special happen to you. Epiphany happened, I guess. Yeah. So I'll start out with, I never wanted kids. Never, ever, ever wanted kids. Until I was sitting at the car wash one day. <laughs> and uh, there's a local news network that runs uh, what's called Wednesday's Child. And uh, is they spotlight someone in foster care. And the kid's name was Christopher at the time, which is perfect for me, right? My name. And I uh, saw it and messaged Jessica. He's like, hey, I want to adopt a kid or a foster kid or something and she's like, okay, get it going. And she got it going. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of took off from there. She she originally said, yeah, right. You don't want kids. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. And then Jessica could take it from there. First of all, I did. I was like, you want to adopt a kid all of a sudden? Because I've always wanted lots of kids. I've always wanted to adopt. I've always wanted lots of them. She comes from a very big family. I do. I have um, lots and lots of family. But um so we did everything in record time. Normally it's a three to four months to do all your training and do your home study and all this stuff. And we did ours with, um, we finished all the training by the end of three weeks. And I will say this COVID was good for something. Yeah. yeah. Um, with COVID, all the training had gone online. So we could do it all online. So we just like plowed through it. Um, and <laughs> we're ready. Um, we were just waiting on the home study. The home study came, um, we did in April. And that's when we found out the kid was just not a good kid for us. He wasn't a good match for us. We would have to shut down the business. Get, he'd have to get another job. One of us have to stay home 24 hours a day. It just wasn't going to be a good fit. So we um, opened up our house to, um, you know, other options, which was up to four kids and all teenagers because we knew that teenage population needed it. Um, and then we were still building, we were building a house in this process. Um, I also came from a very broken family, so I could relate to more older kids, I guess you could say, or the trauma based of it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so we, um, that was back in April, May, we had our home study in May, everything was approved. Um, and we're very impatient people, which, um, we try and pretend to be patient, but we're not. So in September, we're like, what the heck? No one's chosen us yet. Everyone we've reached out to hasn't been a good match, which if you know anything about the adoption world, it's like a two year process. Like, so here we are, like we started in March, it's September, we're being ridiculous, but that's okay. (laughs) So we moved into our new house on, uh, we, we moved in September 20th. And on that week, I had seen a a group of kids on line. It was a big group. We were asking, how does a big group work? Because there's different laws and Steve was asking. I was not. I I went to one. I failed that one miserably. So um, there's a group of seven kids. Yeah. (laughs) On the um, waiting child website, there was a group of seven. And in Texas, you can't have more than six kids under the age of 18 in one house when you're in the foster adoption program. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if you had biological kids, you can't have more than six. And so I reached out. I was like, how does this work? Do you have to like choose which kid you don't get? Um, And then also the analytical side of me was like, okay, how would this work if we had seven kids? And so they responded and said, no, there's a special process you go through. So I was like, okay, so if you had seven kids, what would you need? You need like someone to help watch them. How would our business work? What kind of vehicle? we need to drive. We are building this house or we're now in this house. Where would all those kids sleep? And so I had all of it worked out, but I knew that they weren't a good group for us for many reasons. Um, And uh, two weeks later, we got an email saying, hey, were you serious about seven? And it was um, a description of seven kids. And he was at work and I knew that was not a conversation you have over the phone. So I was <laughs> good, good <laughs> call, Jessica. <laughs> I was waiting to have call. May not have seven kids right now. This entire process <laughs> has been a you have to decide what you want and then I have to decide what I want because you don't force kids on each other, right? Yeah. Um so by the time he walked in the door, I had gotten a call from our agency going, Hey, did you see that message I sent you? And I was like, I did, but Chris hasn't been home yet. He's like, he won't well, be I've, home until like 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> no, it wasn't that late. But anyway, it was later. I was like, he, when he gets home, I'm going to share it with him. It's like, well, we've already gotten you approved with the caseworker. They love you. And the CASA worker loves you. So I just need a final yes or no so the state can approve you. And I was like, we got that message at 11 o'clock. It's 5, 6 o'clock in the evening. Um, yeah, it was that quick. Um, so, um, he got home and I said, okay, we got an email and I printed it out and let him read through everything. He's like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, I am not a part of this conversation with your head. You need to have this conversation yourself and decide, is this what you want? And so we kind of went our separate ways and we told our agency. I went and played Xbox. Yeah. We told our agency. No, no, I'm wrong. I, I read through it. I played Xbox because that's how, that's how I break down stuff. That's how my calming, that's, that's just how me works. Yeah. And so I went through that process and I read over the kids again and I did it three or four times or more, actually probably more than that. Cause I said it pretty late that night. And then. Yeah. Um, uh, work phone right off. Oh, sure. Um, so we, um, told me to let him know that next morning. So I called them back next morning after he said, yes, let's do it. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yep, let's do it. And I said, okay, we're, we want to move forward. And they go, okay, great. We've already gotten the approval from the state because they love you so much. And they don't want to delay. And we're like, oh. Regional okay. manager already signed off. You're and good. so when we said oh. yes, the paperwork showed that they were going to collect applications till November 5th. This is October 5th. Um, and I was like, great. So we have some time to like, we have boxes everywhere. Yeah. We had just started unpacking had boxes everywhere. We have no furniture. We're like, we've got some time to figure this out because if they don't, they're not going to take the applications till November 5th, then it's going to be like December, January before anybody moves in. No, later that day, I had a phone call with every person in my agency and they were giving me all the rules, all the things we need to know. And oh, by the way, they want to move them in in the next two weeks. Now, hold on. What she's not saying is so. We went for adoption. These kids were in foster care. So there's a whole bunch of extra rules to it. 
Well, and either way, when you have seven kids in Texas, you have to have a 24-hour awake policy. That was the first thing they told me, which means that an adult needs to be awake in the home every single moment of the day. If there are kids in the home, there needs to be someone awake, which includes at night. So they had said, um, you know, you can find someone in your neighborhood who can come over and stay up at night. You'll just pay them $10, $12 an hour. No big deal. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. That makes total sense. I mean, that'd be weird, but that's, you know, okay. Um, that didn't actually happen. Nobody wants people want to make like $25, $30 an hour for that. So that happened um, or more. Um, and they have to jump through all the hoops that the state and the foster care agency make them jump through. So federal background check, fingerprints, Mm. um, CPR and first aid, certain trauma classes. Um, but anyways, they wanted to move in within two weeks and we said, no, we have no furniture. We have, we, we can't go from zero to seven in two weeks. We didn't, we thought we'd have until like November, December, January. Um, and like, no, they want them in before the holidays. I'm like, which holiday? They said Halloween. I was like, no, that's not, not that's not <laughs> so um, we're like, uh, we're going to have to like slow down on this process. This is too fast. So the next right. week we had a meeting with all of the people in the state and asked our questions. And I said, Halloween is not doable. I cannot have seven kids here before Halloween. I have to figure out how to we find still have furniture. To, furniture. We had to get the fire marshal in here. Because yeah. we had to get all our stuff. We had to set. have a no, another home study done because we were in a different house this time, and then we had to figure out how to like manage seven kids. Because you know, well, like, what do you do? Well, in this process, you're you're still running a business too yeah. while you're yeah. also doing all this. Yeah. Now our customers, when when we announced it, we did we hook set up hangers, um, backpack hangers on our wall. Seven yeah. of them had seven backpacks, and they're the outpouring from our clients not just our clients but i mean our 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 support tree was much bigger than i thought it was um but our clients our our family obviously and others and and it's just it was crazy and like this era was super understanding it was happy for us yeah. some of them some of us told us we're gonna fail our business miserably because of it yeah but that's good um but yeah it's a whole thing um so later on um we ended up negotiating we met the kids and then two of them moved in october 29th so that was before halloween and we had agreed to do a a, they said a slow move in so in our heads and in my mom's head and like the normal people's head like okay we'll have two kids for a month and then two kids for a month and then we'll move two more kids in for a month and the last three like a month later no no no. it was two kids then two weeks later two more kids and then a week and a half later the rest of them before thanksgiving so in six oh weeks, God. we gained seven kids. Zero yeah. kids and seven kids. I have lots uh, of great hair now because of my yeah, seven They kids. moved in Thanksgiving week. And um, that was when we first started staying up all the time. And um, he had overnights already booked because, you know, we're in an entry that you book months in advance. Yeah. So he was working the entire time. Um, and so we just jumped straight in um, to seven kids and a business. But yeah. hey, you didn't cry, Con. Congratulations. I did. Well, you know, it's still, it was still <laughs> as, far, as far as the business goes, what were some of the big foundational things that you had to change to make this work for you? Because if Chris is out doing visits and Jessica, you're staying up all night, like, what did you do to make this new lifestyle? Because, I mean, kids are a lifestyle. Seven brand new kids over the course of a few weeks is an entirely different trajectory for you. We like we like to say we're the right amount of crazy. Okay. Um, uh-huh. So there's that. Um, <laughs> the, the main thing is that we we had, so I had always built our business that I wanted to be able to stay home with my kids. That was the goal. Now, I will say that we had given up on having kids that year, so we had overbooked Thanksgiving, overbooked Christmas. And we were very, very grateful that it was 2021. So we had a whole lot of cancellations. 
So, so <laughs> that was a good and a bad. Those cancellations came in. They came off of my schedule, which made me go, oh, good, because I don't know who would watch these kids otherwise. Right. Um, and they went on to Chris's schedule or one of our other staff schedule, whoever lost the visits. Um, and we just made it work. Um, Thanksgiving was okay. Christmas was horrible, um, mostly because he had overnights the entire two weeks that they were off of school, which meant absolutely no sleep for me because he was doing overnights and working all day. Um, they told us the second day of the break that they, we were going to have a surprise visit from the state, um, which is part of what they do is they do these surprise visits and they want to go through your house and they wanted to, we had to have everything in order. And there was this three page list of what in order meant. We had not seen it before that day. They sent it to us at that time. Ugh. At that point, we didn't have a vehicle that I could take all the kids with us. So we were homebound. Um, we were just waiting for this person to randomly show up. We were trying to keep the house spotless. We were trying to keep all the things in. If they unplug something from the wall, we made sure we put a plug in. Like it was a whole thing and it was exhausting. Um, we ended up trying to stay outside as much as possible so they, <laughs> my parents they could never find us. Up. They would pick me up. They picked me up so we could like hang out at my parents' house. I was like, I don't know what I'll do if they show up. Like, I don't know what. It was a yeah, whole thing. And so, um, because we didn't have all, we didn't know about all things. They didn't tell us that you couldn't have hand soap on the counter. You had to have hand soap locked up. Like, who knew that? They didn't, like, well, we just, you know, assumed, you know, I'm like, your oh, face is how we felt, Colin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shock. Shock. Yeah. Like, we knew that the had to be put up. We knew that, you know, outlets need to be covered. We knew that, um, you know, serious chemicals had to be put away, but we didn't know about hand soap. We didn't know that toothpaste wasn't to be allowed to be seen, like being. They had to have each of their own separate baskets. They couldn't. Which we had. Yeah, we had those things. But but there was a whole list of things that we had no idea that had to be done because we just weren't shared. We didn't know it. So that was really stressful. um, And it was a really, really long break. We also got COVID at the very end of it, all seven of us or seven kids plus me. So that was super fun. We spent a lot of time in those long lines. Callie didn't get it. Oh yeah. Callie didn't. We we didn't know Callie didn't. We spent a lot of time in lines going to get tested, like the car lines just hanging out. And he had to take off of work to do that because we didn't have a vehicle big enough for all of our kids. So it was a, it was a very interesting thing, but we had set up the business to where it could kind of run as it needed to. Um, I had an admin who was kind of helping, um, but we had a day in January. It was, we were two months in, I was going to sleep. It was the first time I was like planning to sleep while the kids were at school. I went to sleep and I woke up at 2.15 to go get the kids. And I saw that my staff member had just finished her 7 a.m. visit. And I was like, Oh my God. And so I looked at the schedule and she, she freaked had, out on me because I didn't realize it because yeah, I was doing visits. He was doing visits. He didn't realize my admin didn't pay attention. She didn't notice it. So my 7 a.m. person had not done any visits at all that day. She had come in late, didn't think to call, didn't contact anybody. Um, you know, the worst, the worst. And I never slept again because I was so traumatized by that situation mm. that I, I couldn't sleep. Um, when I tried to sleep, I couldn't sleep. So I just, I would take naps here and there. Um, and I did that until June. And she um, did like 9,000 doctor's appointments in the process. Yeah. We did 36 doctor's appointments between March and April. Um, but yeah, you, one, you just do what you got to do. But two, we had set up our business that it could operate that way. You know, having time to pet makes things amazing because our staff can respond to clients' questions. It doesn't have to be me. The fact that you have everything where they can just send a request, I can approve it, we're good. Um, so really at that time, the only thing I did in the business was do the schedule and do the payroll. And that was it. Um, I eventually had to do our taxes. But um, other than that, like everything else was just automatically on autopilot because we didn't have a choice. I was at my limits. Well, that, that really goes to to planning for what you want, right? What is mm-hmm. this? What is the life that you want to lead, and how does the business fit and foster that for you? Yeah. At, at you know whatever stage you are, is going. 
I I can lead a life. My life doesn't have to be my business. I can make it my business if I want. It my I can make my life my business if I want to, but I don't have to do that, right? And going, yeah. Well, how do I make these two work? Well, it's not necessarily a balance. It's really an integration of the two. Yeah. yeah so so like I kind of I mean I kind of I completely agree with the, your Facebook post you did the day. Like I think I guess you went hiking or something. Oh yes, yeah. So we went to a business. I was at a business thing, and a guy was like, "You know, well, that's how how big you're going to make this, right? How big you're going to grow? How blah blah." And it really struck me for a moment of like, I don't know, I don't care. I just want to spend more time with my family, right? Like that's that's, yeah. that's it. And, and you know, all my clients they say that oh well, we can only do it from seven to ten, and then two to five and seven to ten, right? I'm like, well, yeah, per se, yeah. And she goes, well, who's going to be the the pester? I'm like, well. It's not gonna be one person because I don't know about you, but I like to go home and spend time with my kids at night. Yeah, which I never had to say that before. And yeah. the first time I said it, I was like, "Holy crap, I have kids!" Um, <laughs> and I have a lot of them. But also, but also in in the respect of that as well is my kids. So the very the first six months, I was hurt. I had a had a foot foot injury and I couldn't work. I had surgery and everything. And uh, actually, longer than that, but. Like when I started going back to work, they they were literally hugging on my legs and saying, "Don't go to work, Dad. Don't go yeah. to work." And that's because their original father didn't come home because yeah, he, he got locked away. Um, he, so he, 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 left, he never came home one day. Yeah. yeah. So he got. So yeah, he he went to work and never came home because he got incarcerated, basically. Yeah. But and I'm not knocking him for that. Everybody has their choices, right? But that that feeling right there when the kids grab you and say don't go to work that kills me even to this day yeah. you know, like the 29th to be two years we've had our oldest too right and the 12 and 13 and when they grab onto you and say don't go to work or why do you have to go to work well first off do you like this house yeah <laughs> do you like your where you sleep do you, very, do you like all the things you get we're very <laughs> practical do you want to eat tomorrow yes great then we have to work like <laughs> i have to but but still that feeling of like us like we went one of our kids went for a birthday party did a sleepover and the rest of us went for a hike at at, at one of the local trails or whatever and i went moments like that i enjoyed that yeah hanging out with the kids i think the practical side of all of it is that we communicate with our clients um when we were starting the when we were confirmed we were going to adopt them or that they were going to move in with us and we we're going to go through the process. We let our clients know. We said, Hey, we just want you to know this is going to be a huge life change for us. Here's how we're planning on it. Here's our backups. And here's what's going to happen going forward. There's going to be times that we're not available. There's going to be some less availability for overnights and things. And we communicated that to them. We also told them, you know, how we have it planned to continue communication. Um, our clients were instantly amazed and shocked and some judgmental, but some very happy for us. Um, but. <laughs> They, so I'm, um, no, I'm serious. Some of them told us yeah. we were gonna our business gonna close and we we're yeah. gonna fail miserably. Um, oh, that's okay. Um, but we, we did. We just communicated all along the way. So every path we communicated, and that's also where letting your clients in a little bit to under to know your life and know you mm-hmm. helps because he is. I hear about our kids all the time from our clients. <laughs> like we'll have a brand new client. I'll get a message. Oh my gosh, I can't believe about your kids. We adopted so-and-so or whatever. And so just- Dude, it is crazy how many people have been adopted or it's been affected yeah. by adoption or, yeah. or foster care. It's it's once you hit that, like open up to somebody just a little bit, they're like, Oh, you got seven kids. Or they're like, I'll be like, uh, usually I see toys on the floor. I'm like, Hey, how old's your kid? Just, just a co- conversation starter. Right. Yeah. You can yeah. Break that wall. So you're not just 
very rigid, like some people around here. And I, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not super rigid, but, but, but it's a conversation starter. And then it'll kind of just spin into like, they're like, you have kids. So I'm like, yeah, I got a few. (laughs) But letting people know that we're a family business, that we have kids does make a difference because I think people who have kids understand that. Um, People who don't have kids, sometimes they understand, sometimes they don't. And that's totally fine. And if it doesn't work for them, if we have people that are concerned about it, or if it becomes a problem, we always just tell them we have the other people we can refer you to. Yeah, and if somebody's listening to this and they're going, well, I don't, I don't have kids. I don't have seven kids. Certainly, um, how do I make those connect? You know, it's 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 what it's about. Going like, who are you as a person? And connect with other people at that level. That's all that. That's what this Completely. is about. It's it's finding that connection point so that when life happens, either to them, you, somebody else, you have that relationship that's going to carry you through that and to onto on something greater, really. Yeah, for sure. We were the people who didn't have kids for a long time. And when people talked about their kids and pet sitting and things were like, well, this is what we would do. And so some of those things like, oh, okay, well, this makes it a little hard. There, My kids have spent many hours in our van at a pet sit while they're on their, their reading and they're doing tablets and they're watching movies while I'm inside pet sitting because that's what we have to do. You know, you do what you got to do. But I think that it is finding out like what is important to you and what what part of you do you want to share? Because if people know you and they get to know who you are and what matters to you, it really does build a better connection. Now, our kids actually look forward to that because they don't generally get a lot of screen time or, or tablet time. <laughs> They're like, yes, I'll go do the pet sit. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> my, 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 my Switch or whatever, their, their tablet. <laughs> Yeah, they, they like that. they're okay with that. Then <laughs> it's it's it is just about finding that connection point and and really making the most of it. And I I think that sure. that is is one of the most simplistic and most frustrating things that you can try and focus on because it's simple. It's it's very like oh yeah, just do that. But it's never just do that, right? There's all these other complicating factors that you have to balance uh, while you work through that. Yeah, Je- Jessica dislikes it that I if there's a hundred people in a, in a room and I walk in randomly and I'll I'll have ninety eight new friends. <laughs> I'm hoping nobody saw me. <laughs> oh, right. like, who 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 just ran around that corner? Huh? What? I don't know. Anyway, that's how Colin and I became friends. Like some random guy and started picking on him. Yeah. yeah. Hi, that's me. <laughs> well, <laughs> well <laughs> Jessica and Chris, I really appreciate your your time today. Um, I know that you've got a lot on your plate, so I I, I really genuinely am so appreciative of you guys jumping on and. And talking us through that uh, and encouragement to to give that grace to other people, not just ourselves, but to those around us, uh, and to to really bend more than I think most of us are willing to at times, but to stand up for yeah. the things that we believe in. For those who want to get connected with you and follow along with everything that you have going on, how best can they do that? Um, so I'm on Facebook. I do welcome friend requests. It's Jessica Milam, um, on there. And then for our business, we're fur services for pets. It's F U R for both of those furs. Um, fur services for pets.com or on Facebook for services for pets, Instagram. I don't like Instagram, but I'm on there. Um, and, um, if you're interested in conference stuff, um, the Texas Pet Sitters Conference has, um, txpetsitters.com. We are sold out for this year's conference, but you can definitely follow along for next year. And yep. I highly recommend following around for next year. Highly recommend it. Okay. <laughs> <Little Colin>. teaser. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you both again so much for coming on the show today. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm so so glad I got to meet you all at the conference and get connected. And uh, looking forward to this year's upcoming conference as well. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having us. So how do you respond when life happens? We have two options. We can either step up and show our true character 
or we can shrink away. See, life will happen whether we do things or not. We are judged. We are seen based off of how we respond to that. And that goes for our business as well. We make policies, procedures, we, we adapt and respond to flexibility needed or necessary as we want to run our business or not. And just personally, we can make that decision of how we respond to when things happen to our own life. And we make things happen when we are intentional and we set those goals, we set those things before us that we want, and then we work towards them. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet, and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters for making today's show possible. And we really want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.